0: Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the associate director of Church Society, and I'm your host here on these podcasts. We're back for another book review podcast uh, with Amanda Robbie. Amanda, tell us about the book we've been reading this month.
1: Hello, everyone. We've been reading "Graciousness: Tempering Truth with Love" by John Crotts.
0: It's uh, so. It's a book about graciousness. Why? Why do we need to read this book,
1: Amanda? Who do you th- Who do you think it's for? I think it's for everyone who likes to talk (laughs) and everyone who likes to write and anyone who likes to post on Facebook or Twitter or social media in that way. People who like the sound of their own voices. People who like to communicate.
0: <laughs> yes, um, I, I've written down people like us. <laughs> um, so and we were talking about this a little bit last night, weren't we? That in a sense, there's not very much in this book that, that we found that was particularly new.
1: or De- Definitely not a book of rocket science, this.
0: No, that's right. And I think probably if you've read your Bible at all, if you've been around churches at all, you'll be reading this thinking, I know that. I know that. Yeah. Why Why then do people like us need to read it?
1: Well, because we know things, but um, uh, what John Crotz calls the pipeline between the heart and the mouth is not functioning properly.
0: I think that's exactly it, isn't it? It's it's not a book that I think many people will read and think, wow, I'd never thought of that before. But it is a book that reminds those of us who, who do know this stuff that we're still rubbish at putting it into practice
1: it's a quite a convicting book i would say
0: i i agree um so i mean one of the things that uh he does is give us a a sort of list of different reasons why we might not always be completely gracious in our manner so um he talks about anger manipulation revenge lack of love and compassion Mm -hmm. thoughtlessness impatience pride so if you're someone who struggles with any of those things or indeed all of them there is stuff in this book that you need to think about and he's very clear that actually as you say the pipeline between heart and head but also between our hearts and our mouths so you know we know this so we jesus talks about this what comes out of a mouth isn't what a man's mouth isn't what makes him unclean it's it's what's inside his heart and what comes out of our mouths is really just a symptom
1: of what's in our heart yes he does do some really excellent examination of our hearts I think to to remind us that that's yeah it's 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 a problem in every area of our lives actually there was some good sort of biblical counseling uh, yes approach uh, in that and he's applied it in particular to our graciousness in speech yes Uh, but it was an application that we need for all areas of our lives very much so so just before we kind of get into some more of that detail why
0: is it such an important question why is it so necessary that we should be gracious so i i was just struck uh even just a few days ago by an interaction with somebody online who seemed to be suggesting that actually there's you know, this is a time wh- where we don't need graciousness. Where what we need is forcefulness, and um, uh, you know, where we need to be on the attack for um, what we're trying to say and what we're trying to do. That the situation is so dire that actually graciousness is
1: is just missing the point. Yes, he 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 has this excellent uh, uh, illustration, doesn't it? He yes. talks about experts with bad breath. So asking people to come, I think it's to, you know, help you with various technical things or to learn something. Sort of
0: Tiger Woods coming along, showing you how to swing your golf club better. But
1: if he turns up and smells, you are not really going to want his advice, no matter how brilliant he is.
0: Absolutely. And so the sort of bad breath... Uh, Of ungraciousness, which is such a powerful metaphor, isn't it? It's really hard to listen to somebody if all you're thinking is, wow, you smell. And it's not an indictment at all of what that person might be saying. They might be saying the most useful, helpful, true things. But if you can't get past the way they smell, you're not going to be able to hear them and take them seriously. An ungracious speech is like that bad breath. It yeah. stops the good things you're saying from being heard.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's so true. I mean, I would say it's true in um, in everything, not just conveying Christian truth. But uh, uh, for an, exa- an example, which is quite um, poignant for me, is I, I really think it's important in parenting. Because mm. if you say something to your children in an, an angry way, no matter how wise and true it is, they do not listen. No. I know this for myself. No, no, and it's true. You know, many years ago, I I was a teacher,
0: but I, it's just as true in, in any sort of Christian teaching that we're doing. It's you're not really teaching if nobody is learning. Yes, and actually, the way in which you communicate things it needs to be in a way that helps the other person to listen and to learn. Otherwise, you are just wasting uh, your breath. So um, graciousness is important in if we want people to hear us and and take us seriously. And he goes through a number of uh, examples from the Bible, doesn't he? Obviously, beginning with the Lord Jesus Himself, uh, and looking at um, the changes in Paul with his conversion.
1: Yes, a real example of um, learning graciousness uh, is in Paul's life, and also not always. Sticking to the graciousness he's learned, you know, yes. his disagreements, um, sharp disagreements and so on, is it, it reminds us that it's an ongoing work in the life of all, yeah. all believers.
0: I was very struck as I was reading the book. I was working through 1 and 2 Samuel in my quiet times and David's extraordinary graciousness to Saul. So Saul is literally trying to kill David. Mm. You know, that's the plot is Saul going around constantly trying to kill David and David, not only graciously not killing Saul when he could, but even throughout to Samuel, David's constant kindness to Saul's descendants yeah. and, and his family and, you know, the grace that, that enables him to say, he was still the Lord's anointed. He was still, yeah. you know, precious to me because of my friendship with his son. All of that stuff. And I'm going to constantly care. Yeah,
1: not not um, denigrating him mm. Um even though he was an, an he would have enemy enemy. Exactly. He he would have had every
0: right to just say good riddance. Yeah. But he doesn't. And the and the graciousness with which he does that is extraordinary. So we see why it's important. Um one of the things uh, so that we've begun to talk about is it, that idea of, of the, the sort of two way nature of conversation. It's not just about yeah. what you're saying but what the other person's hearing. He talks quite a lot, doesn't he, about sort of the the purpose of conversations
1: and relationships yeah and he sort of unpicks why you know how you would be um going how you would be communicating and so he he has a very some very good practical chapters on sort of analyzing your own conversations why you're doing it where you are Mm -hmm. you know the location you know you don't choose to have important conversations when people are tired or hungry. You know, yes, yeah, so or in
0: the car park, kind of desperate to try and get away to go somewhere else. Yes, yeah, so
1: you, 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 If you need to have a difficult conversation with people, you you choose a good moment. You 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 make sure that you're communicating in the best possible way. And I thought that's really uh, really yeah. helpful reminder for us in church but also in other areas of our lives where we have to have Mm. difficult conversations yes
0: i mean a a really good rule of thumb is don't have the difficult conversation while you're still angry Mm. yeah actually you know so he talks um uh, you know one of the practical suggestions he has is to use journaling and actually use journaling as a way of recording conversations Mm. but then coming back to them when you're not in the heat of the moment And looking and saying, okay, what could I have done differently? But also, what do I need to do now to have the the better conversation that I failed to have the first time round? And, you know, that thing of just think before you speak. But even thinking after you speak can be quite... Yeah, and I mean,
1: I think it is incredibly practical. He sort of gives examples of how you might put things in a way which becomes more gracious. So using uh, slightly more tentative language, I think Mm -hmm. it seems to me... uh, from my perspective so you are not then um battering people telling them things are true if then if they're not if they're not understanding that them for themselves one thing that i i try to put into practice and sometimes i do better at
0: than others but i i think if we're having a conversation where we're disagreeing with somebody and, and what we'd really love for that conversation to end up with is them changing their mind that won't happen if what we're doing is boxing them into a corner they will become more and more defensive and hold on to their their view yeah. more and more irrationally and and they won't change so actually thinking about how do you structure conversations in a way that makes it easy for somebody to change their mind yeah. and and that does involve being more tentative it also involves asking questions doesn't it yes you know? he,
1: he he has a some very good stuff on listening well and being good and uh yes i think we yeah. both are both quite quick thinkers and very bad interrupters uh i certainly am absolutely terrible yeah. and our conversations work quite well together because yeah. we interrupt each other and we don't mind no the, because we we all, we've both
0: got to the end of the, the thought already and so we neither of us need to but carry not on with
1: everyone it. thinks like that and uh, i yeah. know for myself i need to be much better at mm. biting my tongue and letting people get to the end of their sentence and their idea yeah and um yeah, it, it, it's really powerful when uh, you listen well and I, I certainly was quite convicted mm. myself uh, reading this book about learning to do that better.
0: One of his other analogies that I was very struck by is the bull in the china shop, which is obviously not a a new analogy, but he he really draws that out. Um, The preciousness of people to God. You know, every person is made in the image of God, and therefore Mm. they are incredibly precious, more so than any fine china. Mm. So actually, we need to be very careful in our relationships and our conversations that we are not the bulls in the china shop going around smashing people.
1: Yes, yes. And he talks about our attitude to others, doesn't he? Having... A perspective of people's value mm. of christ's death for them um about uh, making charitable judgments yes. sort of assuming that people have have studied the bible extensively and come to a, a rational conclusion for themselves and yeah. that we have a disagreement rather than being stupid idiots who yeah, really yeah. could never you know why on earth have they seen it so i thought yeah i thought there's some very very helpful reminders about our attitude to others and treating them as precious China.
0: Yes, one of the things, um, so he mentions uh, the golden rule uh, in that that section and do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. I was reminded, I've been recently reading uh, Jen Wilkins' book, In His Image. So okay. we talked about on the podcast, her book, None Like Him, which is about God's incommunicable attributes. And In His Image is a, is her sort of follow-up book about his communicable attributes. So the ways in which we are supposed to be like God. Yeah. And that includes things like being loving and kind and so on. And she... Um, was in one of the chapters of that book talking about the golden rule and it suddenly struck me in a way that it never has before. If it's treat other people the way you want to be treated, how do you want to be treated? Not with complete, precise fairness. (laughs) I want people to show me partiality. I want people to give me more than I deserve. I I want to get the bigger portion of the chocolate cake. I I don't want a precisely measured
1: yes you know. absolutely
0: okay. and so then actually if we then apply that to how do we treat other people it's showing them more kindness than they deserve yes. more yeah. uh, gracious than that is deserve. A very
1: very helpful <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> helpful thought. and also convicting thought yes absolutely <laughs> um so yeah so i just say that's not from this book but i no. I, I was reminded of it when Word, i was reading yeah. this book so yeah graciousness is important because actually people are important and people are more important than us being right and I think that's the big message of this book that is not a thing that naturally comes to me, but is something I genuinely believe is true there are worse things than being wrong there are worse (laughs) things than being wrong and it's
1: that's a very hard thing (laughs) those of us who like to be right and yeah enjoy being right
0: yes but actually, you know, and it's not to so say that truth isn't important because obviously it is incredibly important, but not at the expense of love, yeah, and not at the expense of, of other people and yeah. you know that's sort of what ungr- what ungraciousness very often looks like it's kind of yeah. overriding people for the sake of being right
1: yes, and i you know for those of us who were converted mm. at a time we can remember um it's. I've more recently, I have teenage children and I sort of look at their, their professions of faith and their Christian Mm. walk. And I'm a little bit, how are they going to make it? How will they persevere? And then I, I've been more recently, I have been thinking about myself when I was a young Christian and how I behaved and acted. I was like, Oh my goodness. What, what a disgrace I was. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I'm still a disgrace now, but there were much more sort of obvious disgraceful things about me when I was a Mm. teenage Christian and gosh, it's the lord's grace that holds me i didn't believe i i, I had lots of things that were untrue in my head hmm. then i've taught things i know, i can look back and say i know i've taught
0: people things that i now think well, that's 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 not true and and it's there's, it's sort of mortifying i mean yeah. it, it is mortifying but it is also a really important reminder that god builds his church And he doesn't depend on us getting everything right to do that.
1: And, you know, the Lord in his grace changes us, but he does. I can think of no way that my Christian walk has been changed by people shouting at me or or telling me things crossly.
0: Exactly. I mean, certainly one of the ways he does change us is through the gentle correction and rebuke of others. And I can think of specific moments where that's happened yes. for me but it's always true. been in the context of somebody I know loves me and cares about yeah. me take me aside and saying Ros you need
1: to stop doing that yes absolutely. do you not
0: realize the effect that what you're doing is having on other people
1: and that's it's, what's particularly interesting is that is in the context of a real relationship yeah. and actually to correct people we don't know or know barely is really almost valueless
0: yes and that I think brings us on to something which he talks about a little bit in the book but I think is a an important extension of the book to think about how this applies when we're not talking about face-to-face conversations when we're talking about conversations on social media or in print so he talks a bit about books but also you know that would apply to he has a very
1: (laughs) funny sort of extended section about where he talks about the value of reading groups so we we can discuss things we might disagree on but also how how important it is to be kind about the author of a book and uh, (laughs) I I did think that was a little bit sort of (laughs) self-preservation nice about me and and John you have done a great job so thank you for your book yes uh, yeah it was quite funny (laughs) reading that and thinking.
0: yeah I think that there are real dangers aren't there of ungraciousness being particularly tempting
1: when we're not in face-to-face situations and particularly if we have never met the person involved so somebody we have never seen never met and that are only able to make assumptions about them through what we've read about them or read that they've written mm. and the, to- the the thing is that people do not put the totality of themselves into the written word
0: no and I, and i think the other thing is so there's there's that which is we we don't know them and we don't know where they're coming from and and who they are as a person mm. and all of that but the other thing i think as well is even if it's somebody you do know very well so you and i often interact Online, Indeed. and we we know each other very well, and we also interact face to face. But when we interact online, I don't know what's just happened in your life, yeah. what your day has been like, yeah. what other things you are having to cope with. Yeah. And so I might say something which, in the context of face to face conversation, you know, would just be a little funny quip, but actually could be that you're reading it in a moment where it's not funny. And I think. We need to be extra cautious,
1: yes, actually, absolutely. don't we? Absolutely. I, I I have lots of online um, interactions, and yeah, I, it's something that does. I do try and hold at the front, and hmm. you know, often uh, there's 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 one person, oh there's a few people in particular. I you know think of and I I know a little bit about them. And I just try and be incredibly careful about the way I word things to them online, mm. because I want to be encouraging. Mm. But I sometimes I know that things might be delicate for them in the way I word things. And yeah. it, th- that's just people I know a little bit about. But if you don't know much about people, or even if it's a good friend, you don't even know where they're at at that moment. Exactly.
0: Exactly, and I, I think you know a lot of the book. He's talking about conversations that we have with Christians, but the same is yeah. at least as true with people who are not Christians. And we want our conversation to be, it's
1: you seasoned know, seasoned with salt yeah. and,
0: and fragrant, and and all of those things. And and so we must be even more careful not to hold back from speaking the truth, but to make sure that we're doing it in a way that is gracious and allows people to hear yeah. what we are saying and and know that we are saying it in a
1: way that because we care about them yes and um, towards the end of the book he he develops sort of practical ideas not about just about the way we uh, actual speak mm. but about sort of intentionally getting better at it and yes. I thought that was a, it was something I'd never thought out before he says get alongside people who you think are gracious and aim to spend time with them but also plan intentionally gracious conversations after church it was really yes.
0: Scary. well I mean I, I'm not sure I intentionally think about gracious, but I do quite often while I'm sitting at church I look around and see who's there and think about who do I want to speak to because I know they've had a difficult week or because there was something we had a conversation about a couple of weeks ago that I'd love to to let them know I've still been thinking about and see how things are going and um, yeah, and I do quite often plan those conversations.
1: That has made me think. Actually, I need in, at the beginning of the service because quite often I'm at the beginning of the service. I'm noticing who's missing, yes. and we'll be trying to to follow up uh, to later. Follow up later. Yeah, but to actually look who's there and. Maybe at the beginning of service to even pray through who you should mm-hmm. try and speak to because otherwise you get go talk to the people you know or yes. the people you've got to catch for some reason. If you else, so.
0: um, if you're in the kind of church where people go up to receive communion, I find that's a really helpful time for seeing who's there and and praying for them. But also, I, that's a point where I'll be noticing. Oh yes that that's a person I definitely want to go and have a conversation with and we also um at the end of every service we sing a blessing uh, for one another and and have a tradition of looking around at each other so it's quite easy even if you're at the front we have moments where you're allowed to, to look around about. Yes. and I I definitely do that sort of um, without any shame yeah. um, and you know if someone else it's not like that's a, a kind of rigid thing and if there are other conversations and other people come and talk to me that's fine but, it, but I do like to, to at least try and pick out people I know that I want to go and encourage
1: yes. with and a I th- conversation. And I think um, he, he, he does talk about becoming more gracious in community and yes. we're working as a team and how can we do that together. So, And if you're on church leadership and you're listening to podcasts, maybe it would be a good thing to think about how you can help your congregation intentionally yes. increase their 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 communication, their grace with one another.
0: And beyond that as well, here's a lovely bit where he talks about the the witness of a gracious church in their graciousness shown to the community around them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And
1: And, uh, yes, we've been talking a little bit about when... Uh, particularly if people are ill or had a baby and need some help of some sort, the sort of grace that a community, a church community shows can be a very powerful witness.
0: Yes, exactly. And and that, you know, can be in words, but can also be in very practical yeah. um, help and support as well in different situations. I just want to pick up on two of the other things that he mentioned in terms of becoming more gracious. So one of the most helpful things was, was the one you mentioned in terms of identifying people you want to be like and imitating and i i think that's just a brilliant thing and and that can apply to all kinds of aspects of our godliness can't it you see somebody you think gosh they're so patient how can i be more like that we'll spend time with them yeah and and do that um but two things that that i want to pick up on he does talk quite a lot about the value of reading books and listening to sermons as a way of learning graciousness yeah and value in that yeah. obviously I think the reason why that slightly struck me as a as a bit of an odd thing is the people i I can think of when I think of ungracious speech people I think most often fall into that trap that I know they are the people who read the most books and listen to the most sermons and there can be a, a and he he's not just saying just read more books and listen more sermons. Mm. he's saying be intentional about that listen to sermons about this subject and read books about the subject but I felt that often the issue isn't lack of knowledge and understanding about this it is yes. what we've been saying about the putting it into practice yes. so I wouldn't necessarily have that as my first strategy if you're struggling no with I mean this. I think
1: the reading books thing if you then go to a reading group where people discuss it that yes. is a very different thing
0: and so that was the second thing that I wanted to, to come on because he talks about this sort of reading group and discussing and one of the things he talks about is specifically choosing sometimes books that you know you are going to disagree with, yes. which I don't think we you often do, do that, because though. we're terrified that we might learn something that's not true and, and whatever. Yes. But actually, as a way of learning to Debate graciously, yes, and to do that in a relatively safe environment.
1: And you and I are a reading group, Roz.
0: We are, <laughs> we, and we hope that our listeners to the podcast uh, do that along with us. And we we don't always pick books that we think
1: we're going to agree. No, we pick we pick things that will be we think might be broadly helpful. I guess yes. we're not picking things which we think are going to be completely no, helpful. we're not. But we are picking. We're trying to look at books that come from a wide range of authors, not just the ones we've met at a conference
0: exactly so for example in our little podlet on the um intentional discipleship one we knew that something produced by the anglican communion is likely to be a mixed bag and indeed it was and there was some great stuff in there but there was definitely some stuff that that we didn't agree with but there's a real challenge there is how do we then engage with that stuff graciously
1: yeah absolutely
0: and um so yeah so i thought that was that was very helpful um I, d- I don't know how to finish this. I think we've talked about everything that I was going
1: to talk about. Yeah, I guess the thing he was he did talk about um, uh, meditating really on this subject, and I do think, especially online interaction in particular, is very fast and rapid. And are, you know, there's a lot of talking around now about basically we're we're thinking too fast, we're doing things too fast, and slowing down with the word is a great way to counter that that the way that i think i think in lots of ways that much sinfulness doesn't arrive arise out of any intentionality it's the it's the the natural man springing out isn't it and actually to slow down and 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 uh, yeah be with the lord is probably the most effective way I think. I mean, I think that's probably character. that's probably true in in lots of ways. Yes, isn't yeah, it? yeah. I think there we go. Are...
0: I tell you how I am going to finish. So he, oh. One of the things that I did like about the book, I don't think he's the world's greatest um, writer of English. It's mm. perfectly serviceable, and as we said, there are some really great metaphors yeah. and so on. One thing that he does do very very well. Is pick quotes from other people. Oh, yes. And there are some really excellent yeah, uh, There's Ryle and there's um Thomas Watson. Yeah, all sorts of people. But I'm gonna end uh, with a little quote, this is in the final chapter from John Newton. Um, and this is what John Newton had to say, and I think it's a lesson that's that's just as relevant for our contemporary church, if not more so. He says, if our zeal is embittered by expressions of anger, invective, or scorn. We may think we are doing service to the cause of truth, when in reality we shall only bring it into discredit. He warned that self-righteousness can feed upon doctrines as well as upon works. A man may have the heart of a Pharisee while his head is stored with orthodox notions of the unworthiness of the creature and the riches of free grace. And there's a challenge there, isn't there? There's certainly a challenge for me and I guess for many of us that we focus more on what's in our heads and the truth that we want to express than we do upon the manner of our expression and the love with
1: yes that ought to be motivating it who is receiving it. that yeah
0: exactly so there we go Newton so that, on
1: controversy so.
0: On con, yes
1: controversy controversy sorry
0: there we go. Uh, so that is Graciousness, Tempering Truth with Love, John Crott. I have to say, I have not found it on sale in the UK in the usual places. You can probably get it through Amazon, uh, but well worth seeking out.
1: And um, it's on Kindle, so you oh, can yes. get it on Kindle easily. Yeah,
0: so if you're an electronic reader, you can certainly get hold of that easily. Um, but well worth seeking out. Um, and, and as Amanda said, could be a great thing to read maybe as a church staff team uh, and to think about how you can uh, encourage your whole congregation uh, by this book. We'll be back next month uh, with another book review. We'll be looking at Faith Theism from Krish Kandaya, uh, if you want to read along with us. And if you do, if you've got things that you'd like to ask about or like us to talk about, do get in touch and, and let us know beforehand uh, so that we can include that in our conversation. Uh, you can email me, ros at dot You can always uh, comment on the podcast on our Facebook page, or you can tweet us at church society i'll be back again next week i can't remember what will be in that podcast but it'll be uh, a joy and a delight whatever it is i'm sure do tune in again thanks for listening